Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What's a woman? I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Oh, we see how this works. Hey, Contenti Jackson, is it raining? I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. How would you respond to someone who said something like that? You'd probably give up and find someone else to talk to. <laughs> That's Tucker Carlson last night. I thought that was hilarious. How would you respond to somebody who talked that way? You'd probably give up and find someone else to talk to. <laughs> That's pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and to be perfectly honest, so that's about the Supreme Court hearings going on right now with KJB? KBJ. KBJ. I got to memorize yes. that because she is going to be Brown Jackson. She is going to be on the Supreme Court. I don't know what kind of media take in. Maybe the media you're taking in is leading you to believe there's like some challenge going on. It's up in the air. No, she is going to be confirmed. That's that's a given. And she will be a Supreme Court justice. Um, uh, duh. What was I going to say? Oh, that whole when she was asked, are you, uh, what is a woman? I don't know how I would have answered that question. So, uh, would you have had a quick answer off the top of your head? I don't think Absolutely, I would have. Absolutely, 100%. What, what yeah, would you an have adult, said? An adult uh, female human being. And if somebody followed up, what do you mean by female? I'd say, well, generally speaking, the vast, vast majority of cases, somebody with ovaries, somebody with a vagina. Period. Yeah, if you'd have drilled down, I suppose I'd have gotten to the vajayjay at some point, because that's really mm-hmm. one of your telltale signs. In my experience. Well, that's, that's certainly what I look for. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's about much more, though, than the, the hearing for the Supreme Court lady. Um, and I get why, as a lefty, she wants to dodge that question, because it's such a hot potato, especially in lefty law circles. Um, what's funny about it is Title IX which is is cited as one of the great achievements in women's rights of all time. You got to know what a woman is if you got special rights for women or special right. protections for women. For what now? I don't know. I don't know what a woman is. What's a woman? I've never heard of this woman thing. We can't go along with that insanity. That is straight out of 1984. If they can get you to say war is peace and, and the rest of it, they can get you to do anything. So uh, Tucker's take, and I thought this was pretty good, is that two Supreme Court hearings ago was the Brett Kavanaugh debacle, which is one of the worst things politically that has happened in modern political history. I mean, just awful. But uh, he was uh, playing all kinds of clips from people. Remember, at the time, it was believe women, believe women, believe women. You know, it was the, mm. the hashtag, the hashtag Me Too thing was in full force, and they're trying to paint Kavanaugh as a gang rapist of all the crazy things. And it was all about believe women. Any woman who comes forward and says anything, you just automatically believe her. And contrasting that with that, now we're just a couple years later, and you, there's no definition of a woman. So believe right. this particular group, because this particular group has some, like, is it biological or m- just mental, inherent, cultural reason that they're telling the truth. When men, you can't trust men, but women believe women now we don't have a definition for what the heck a woman is so i don't know what a woman is i have no idea i don't know who to believe because i'm just so stupid and or crazed with my radical ideology i'll just that's the go ahead i was going to pivot to something else if you've got more on that so also on the uh justice brown hearings joe brought this up yesterday 
the 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 rumblings here and there about her being soft on child porn. I will just say this. Um, there are a number of my favorite pundits that are uh, hardcore partisans. Uh, Andy McCarthy of National Review being one example. He's a hardcore partisan. He wrote a long editorial before the 2020 election on why you got to vote for Trump. I mean, he's a Trump guy, and he I mean, he's, he, he loves drinking the tears of libs. And he was a prosecutor. And he said he's looked into this deeply, and there's just no there there. Hmm. He wants there to be there there. He'd love it was there there. He'd write 10,000 words about the there there, but there ain't no there there. So there, you know, just, you know, I take that to the bank. Because these, these are people that lick in their chops for this sort of stuff. But they're not the kind of people that are going to make crap up. So they said there's just no there there. Okay. Yeah, you know, we could get into it more because I know people uh, people who are faithful listeners and all, they have read and heard that, yes, yeah, she's super soft on it. It has to do with the change in times between uh, actual images of child porn and electronic images. And the penalty was calibrated on how many images you had. Um, from back in, you had to mail them and, and get them physically days. Uh, as opposed to now, we're at the, you know, if I, if I searched on, uh, I don't know, wombats, I could instantly have thousands of images of wombats on my computer screen. And so Congress has been slow to recalibrate the penalties or something. That was, that's the point of view that she was expressing. Uh, inner sentencing. So anyway, my God. child porn is horrific and anybody who engages in it ought to be punished severely. Blah, blah, blah. I just looked up at the TV and saw a uh, horrible burn victim. Uh, they're showing on NBC from uh, one of your towns in Russia. Richard Engel reporting from there. We should point out uh, one of your towns in Ukraine, rather. A big Russian warship is on fire with black smoke billowing into the sky. The Ukrainians look, look looks like they took it out. And there are some reports it's the same ship that was there off Snake Island threatening those guys that said go F yourselves from the very beginning of the war and that they may have uh, finally uh, decimated that ship. If if that turns out to be true, that's absolutely fantastic. That's funny. I saw the same headline two weeks ago that that very ship had been uh, sunk or disabled or something like that. Either way, a a military ship's a military ship and it's ruined, so I'm happy about that. You know, the thought on the whole uh, what is a woman thing that flitted out of my head when I was hemming and hawing, it is flitted back in, and it'll probably flit out again. So while I'm thinking of it, let me get to it. One of the main strategies of the whole critical theories crowd is to so befuddle you, so confuse you, make it so difficult to discuss these things, you can't argue against them. Their point is that you can't argue against them because their ideas are so bizarre or they keep changing the definitions so much. So if you're confused by the the lunatic notion that nobody knows what a woman is, you'd have to ask a biologist. I mean, that's idiotic. Um, if you think, how, how do you even form an argument about that? Well, that's their point. They're trying to silence you. Don't be silent. What if you're particularly easily befuddled like me? Then what do you do? Well, it doesn't uh, take much to befuddle me. You're easy pickings. Then they move on to the less easily befuddled. Oh, my God. I was trying to. I got a new uh, Nintendo Switch that I bought for myself. That's what my son wanted for his spring break. Talked about all these different things we could do. He said, I, would, I want you to get a Nintendo Switch so you can play video games with me. Mm. So I bought one, and I'm trying to figure out how to play the game. 
Uh, but anyway, just setting it up with, you know, passwords and this and that and won't link and that email address is already being used. How is that even possible? You know, that 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 sort of crap just makes me insane. I'm <laughs> I just oh, nothing makes my brain hurt like that. Nothing makes oh, yeah. my brain hurt like that. But anyway, finally got everything done, and then the Nintendo people on the helpline were really, really pleasant. You know, they've got a financial interest in making sure we get signed up, but um, uh, they were really, really good. All customer service should be that good. But anyway, so I finally get on the game. We're playing, trying to play Fortnite. <laughs> Henry kept saying, Dad, you are terrible at this. You are really, <laughs> really terrible at this. All you did there was stand there and just swing your axe over and over and over. You need to practice with the buttons. So he wants me to practice with the buttons before we reconvene. My experience, exactly. I tried to play, I think it was like Grand Theft Auto or something with Declan when he was a teenager. And uh, I just kept jumping up and down. <laughs> He's like, no, Dad, not the X, the Y. you got to use the Y, Control Y to go forward. I'm like, what, there are two buttons at once? And so I would just jump up and down. <laughs> Like I'm some idiot at a Devo concert in 1988. I just stood there swinging this axe, and Henry said, "That guy's shooting at you. That guy's gonna. That guy's gonna kill you. You can't just stand there and swing an axe. The guy's gonna kill you." Okay, you're dead. You are terrible at this, Dad. But he really enjoyed me playing with him. I hope I can get like competent enough because it's like their favorite thing in the world. I have zero interest in it. But they like it, so you know that gives me interest in it. But I just I don't also don't have any skills for those sorts of things. <laughs> you oh know, it God. pains me mightily to say this, but in many ways it's the modern baseball. Glove. I know, I know, I know, and I just gotta accept that. I would I would go outside and play catch with you till my arm fell off. Right. But they don't want to do that. They want to do yeah. this. Yeah. Um do we have time for this? Yeah, I'll do this real quick. So USA Today's got a big front page story today. That I would like to address. A USA Today investigation found nearly all charter schools that had $1 billion in forgiven paycheck protection program loans. So this is a whole bunch of your COVID relief loan money that got thrown around like crazy. Lost no money during the pandemic. And critics say the Fed should claw back the money. Oh, so the the schools that somehow managed to operate without losing money during the pandemic because they don't get their funding for having kids in the classroom and all these different sorts of things, you want to take their money back. All these public schools and the hundreds of billions of dollars they got that they're just going to waste on crap. That's perfectly fine. I certainly smell the hot, foul breath of Randy Weingarten and the uh, National Education Association, the teachers' unions in this push, because they hate charter schools. They loathe them. They hate private schools. They hate innovation. Nice job, USA Today, making that the big, that's the big scandal, that the charter schools didn't lose any money during the pandemic, so they shouldn't get any money, whereas the public schools that just freaking waste money like crazy and are are, are scrambling to figure out ways to spend this money because they got so much. On useless stuff. And teaching your kids there's no such thing as a woman. Yeah, not to mention that. Um, yeah. That's perfectly fine. Oh, that's so maddening. God, the whole school USA thing. sucks. The whole school thing in America right now, K through advanced degree in college, is diseased. Yes. And I don't know how it all gets turned around because they're completely different situations, really. Uh, the university's in the, in the you know first grade, but it's all just such a mess. Well, and something this diseased will die, as I've been predicting. We're heading for a major crisis, a revolution in American education. I don't know what it's going to look like, but uh, this cannot continue. I saw an article the other day I meant to get into about um, 
There's nothing more consequential. There may have never been anything more consequential, but we were ignoring it, than what we teach kids, K through 12. Right. And that's true. Mm-hmm. And and parents have been ignoring that forever. Just like, well, they're the school. They're, I'm sure they're doing a good job. And, uh, and you know, I got taught stuff that was ridiculous. My kids are getting taught. We, we should, really should pay more attention to what kids get taught K through 12. Oh, and I've got some more data on the whole pre-K thing and, and why it goes as wrong as it does. That's really interesting. But we need to take a break. Awesome. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Uh, new Associated Press and Nork Center poll, whatever that is. 56% of adults said they believe Biden's response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine has not been tough enough. 56%. Huh. With about a third saying it has been about right, 6% say too tough. That's interesting. I'm, I, I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed that. That the, the 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 plurality, the majority and plurality, uh, which you'd have to be, um, <laughs> uh, uh, believe Biden's been too weak on this, huh? That is interesting. I saw another poll. Um, your uh, just attitudes about the both parties, who you're more likely to vote for, or job performance, the rest of it, and it looks like just an impending disaster for the Democrats in the midterms. I mean, like historic disaster, and then the Republicans will sweep into power and they will disappoint America and be sent packing as we just keep going back and forth. Which reminds me, uh, who was it? Um, Somebody wrote this really eloquent piece about Zelensky and Ukraine and the rest of it, and they were spinning out the various possibilities. And, and the final one was that uh, Zelensky actually leads the country to a victory. They repel the Russians. The Russians have to go home again, and Zelensky becomes a politician again, at which point he will surely disappoint and be thrown out of office eventually. Hmm. Such is the nature of politics. Winston Churchill was one of the great leaders in the history of the planet and immediately got booted out of being prime minister. Uh... So, you know, drinkers are boycotting Russian vodka around the world. Small and large U.S. cities have been cutting ties with the Russian sister cities. We told the story about the kid. He's like 20 years old. Plays a violin or something like that, but he's from Russia. He's an outspoken critic of Putin, but anyway, couldn't play with whatever Canadian symphony because he's Russia. See, that's just dopey. I think so. But they've got the European Tree of the Year competition going on, which, of course, I've been following closely for years. The Tree of the Year? Well, yeah, act like you've never heard of it. What, do you live under a rock? You don't well, follow so the European many trees. You don't follow the European Tree of the Year? How do you pick one? But with the war escalating in Ukraine, even a competition devoted to celebrating trees found itself unable to remain separate from global politics. At the awards ceremony in Brussels on Tuesday, the organizer announced that this year's winner is Poland with a 400-year-old oak tree that organizers said had become a symbol of Polish resistance to aggression. And uh, it's warm welcome to refugees for Ukraine. So in the same way that the Nobel Prize for Literature picks somebody from a country that's currently, you know, oppressed always as being the best writer or whatever, for the 
tree of the year, which is something to do with green this or that. They went with a tree in Poland because Poland's taken in all the refugees. You realize you beclown yourself as soon as you do this. <laughs> well, can you imagine being the guy in charge of, I don't know, promoting some really old oak tree? And then, and then you know, next year you get hired for being the PR guy for a really tall eucalyptus or something like that, trying to talk that up. Oh, no, 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 no. This French eucalyptus, it really symbolizes, I don't know, the resistance against the Nazis. All right. Some Russian tree was completely disqualified. They were not even going to oh. take a look at the Russian tree. That tree was an outspoken critic of Putin. <laughs> Hilarious. These are odd times. Yeah. Well, yeah. That that stuff is uh, will be forgotten to history if we end up in a nuclear war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm reminded of the whole Russian propaganda thing we were discussing earlier and uh, been reading up on it. And all of Russia's national television networks are controlled by the Kremlin. And about two-thirds of Russians rely on state television to get their news. About two-thirds. It was 90% only like eight years ago. Wow. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of Russians can't get the Internet now because their credit cards have been cut off. I wonder if we can do something about that. That new Omicron subvariant. So uh, half of Americans got Omicron, according to uh, New York Times. Uh, the new subvariant is now the prevalent variant around the world. That's how quickly that thing spread. So that when you talk about COVID, you're now talking about that Omicron subvariant. Which is good. That's great news. It's super crazy uh, contagious, but it's even milder than the original Omicron. You can't stop it with a mask, but people will keep wearing masks where I live. It's just what we do. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think one of the interesting things that you see there is that large plume of smoke and what seems to be a big fire as well. That certainly seems to indicate that that ship might have had some form of munitions or also vehicles on it as well. If we talk about those landing ships, I've actually seen those in action by the Russian military, some of the maneuvers that they've had. They're essentially military cargo ships that can also land on beaches. They don't have very much in the way of cannons, but they can transport a lot of things, especially tanks and armored vehicles. So potentially the Russians might have lost a lot of those in this uh, in this strike that took place by the Ukrainians. Crying shame that that Russian warship full of tanks and munitions is on fire and likely to sink. That's just a crying shame. When? Do the failures, the disasters, uh, the disastrousness of the effort, uh, the Russian invasion so far, when does that hit the homeland? When does that really result in hundreds of thousands of people uh, protesting? I don't know. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't yet. To that point, when does the whole thing fall apart, you know, with the military and, uh, and the government? Greg Palcott with a report on that from yesterday. More turmoil is reported in the Kremlin over Russian President Vladimir Putin's faltering strategy. Amid staff firings, word top Putin economic advisor Anatoly Chubayas has quit and left the country. And Defense Chief Sergei Shoigu hasn't been seen in two weeks. Regarding the diplomatic stalemate, Russia bizarrely now blames the U.S. The Americans proceed from the fact that it is not convenient that this process ends quickly. So... During the biggest military conflict of his entire presidency, his defense guy is missing? 
Uh, he hasn't been seen, and they're close buddies. They vacation together, and the defense guy, Shoigu, I think, um, he was uh, rumored to be like probably the successor to Putin when and if Putin leaves. Well, what's the speculation on this? Uh, he's, he's like way in the doghouse? Or him being, I didn't know that he was uh, believed by some to be the successor to Putin, the successor is often the most likely person to come do you in, based on my readings of Shakespeare. Uh, um, yes. Uh, maybe he made a move, verbally or physically, and uh, Putin got the best of him. Right. Well, uh, you know, there are plenty of examples, but like the Kim family in North Korea famously never lets anybody get to the status of that. That would be the guy if Fathead dies. Yeah, clearly that would be the guy. They just don't let anybody get to that level. I mean, if there is going to be a coup, certainly if there's going to be a military coup, that guy'd be the most likely guy, right? Yeah, people would rally around him. Yeah, obviously, because you got to have a government. So maybe he's locked up or dead. Because of that reason. Or maybe he tried it, and we just don't know it. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe he said to the wrong uh, fellow cabinet minister, hey, I think Putin's got to go. I think now's the time. The guy said, hey, great idea. Super idea. Let's talk about it in a minute. I've got to go do something. I'll be right back. And he ran straight to Putin. It's almost got to be something like that, doesn't it? How's your defense minister MIA? That's the wrong expression to use when you're talking military stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, d- disappeared during this. Interesting question. I mean, he's the defense chief, so you think he would be up there delivering all yeah. that spin about how great it's yeah. going, and Putin is constantly saying it's going exactly according to plan. Um, he, yeah. So obviously, he's not going to go on TV unless the state-controlled media lets him on. In other words, Putin lets him on, but Putin obviously wants him silenced. And as we mentioned uh, earlier, if you haven't heard this, there's all kinds of intercepted phone and radio messages from all levels of the military, from, you know, uh, commanders down to the very basic people. And uh, the New York Times was playing translations of them yesterday, and it's full of what the hell are we doing here? What is the point here? How are we going to win this? Not to mention terrible logistical problems and evidence that their their communications equipment and their their logistics and their uh, their strategies are just really primitive. They're not. I mean, compared to the American military, they're they're childlike. All it, all it, the whole thing just needs a nudge by the right person at the right time for it to all just go against Putin, doesn't it? You know, I mean, like the Arab Spring. You saw how all these things, the all these people that looked like they were in complete control of their countries. You reach a tipping point, and then it's just over. And I feel like Putin's there, but you know, you know if that tipping point's coming today or three years from now. And, and what's that famous wisdom that you've told us about a couple of times, that you only need 15%, is it, of the population? Yeah, for a revolution. Because yeah. um, you got the, the true believers, and then the people that agree with you but wouldn't do anything, and then the people that are, don't agree with you but are scared to stand up. So it doesn't take that many people. Um, I guarantee you they got 15% of the Russian population or certainly the people that know what's going on that want Putin gone. Mm -hmm. So a different story also related to this, this guy who's an expert in um, forecasting nuclear holocaust. That's what he does for a living. He's been doing it for 15 years. He's with the Carnegie Endowment. He said, I'm highly quantitative and a true believer in probabilism, using probability to forecast things. 
I've studied nuclear weapons, including escalation specifically for the last 15 years. In my opinion, the probability of nuclear use is so uncertain I can't even estimate the order of magnitude. Wow. It's so completely, how would you possibly know? He's not even willing to make a guess. And that's what he does for a living. How does he get any work? There hasn't been a nuclear war in well, I, 70 years. I appreciate him being honest about that, yeah. though. Yeah. Who the fr- It's in one guy's head. And unless I get to talk to him, uh, I don't have any idea. No, he's going to lose his job. you got to walk through the hallways really fast holding a, a file folder like you're really busy. I've nailed it down 62%. 62% is Bad the number. news. <laughs> that it will happen or won't happen. I'll get back to you. Hey, the Ukrainian Air Force is doing amazing things. A little feature add on that in a second after a word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security, recently named by U.S. News, PC Magazine, and Popular Science as the best home security of 2029. I'm sorry, 2021 and 2022 now. And it's not like the best for the price or the best off the internet or, you know, the best you can afford. No, it's just the best. Just the best. And Simply Safe is less than a dollar a day. So it. Sometimes the best comes with the most expensive, but certainly not with Simply Safe. And you can set it up yourself in around 30 minutes, never a long-term contract. You can even try it for 60 days risk-free if you want. If you don't like it, you can send it back free of charge. Unlikely that you won't like it. It's already protecting over a million homes in the United States. Yep. Comprehensive set of sensors and cameras, the all-new wireless outdoor security camera, 24-7 monitoring, the best in the business. Customize your perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today. You can claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Just because you know us, go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. It's just been in the last couple of days that a lot of your smart people thinkers have been saying, there's a chance Ukraine wins this war. That's just been in like the last 48 hours that that seems to be the prevailing mood among your experts. Ukraine could win this thing. Part of the reason is they've done such a good job with their scrappy little Air Force. Let's hear clip number 42. It's a report from CNN. Counted out early in the war, but still going strong. Against all the odds, Russia has not managed to ground Ukraine's Air Force. A lot of Russian aircraft have been taken down by shoulder-launched missiles supplied by Western allies. But the Ukrainians also still operate longer-range systems like the S-300. And then here's a Ukrainian uh, Air Force pilot named Andre talking about tactics. At first, Russian pilots dominated in quantity of fighters and newer equipment. Now they're starting to refuse to fly because we're shooting them down. We try to work with tactics. I shot down Russian planes. Unfortunately, I cannot say which and how many and how exactly I shot them down. Air-to-air missiles, ground-to-air missiles were repeatedly fired at me. There was a flight when we flew three against 24. It means our three fighters repelled the attack of their 24 aircraft. Wow, that is something. Imagine how unmotivated those Russian pilots are in trying to fight. They're, they're flying. They're just trying to stay alive. They're not maneuvering in such a way to like get into a fight and win like you would as a new Ukrainian pilot because you've got to take these guys out. You know, status quo is no good. You just want to live as a Russian pilot and hope this whole freaking thing ends before you die. Right, right. The Ukrainian pilot also said that they're using tactics they learned from American pilots, which is kind of cool. And and I understand the Ukrainians trained a lot in California, so those are California pilot tactics. Keep that in mind, Oregon. <laughs> All right? If you ever get froggy, we're ready for you. <laughs> so uh, coming up, uh, more 
just unbelievable, mind-blowing study about how terrible government pre-K is for students. Now, we brought you the, the headline from the study a while back, but if you dig deep into it, the whys of it, no, that make second, perfect wait sense. Second, wait a second. It. Joe Biden, all the way down to my governor, Gavin Newsom, they regularly talk about pre-K being so obviously great. You're, you're telling me it's not? It's a terrible idea. It's terrible. Everybody's known it's terrible forever. And for some reason, the stupid freaking media always presents as, as it's, a, it's, a, it's clearly a plus. It's just who's going to pay for it. No, it's terrible. If it were free, it would be terrible. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Korea tested an intercontinental ballistic missile, and they have nukes, so that's just fantastic. Uh, what is radical monogamy sweeping the nation? One of the biggest churches in the world with another sex scandal. Seemed to go hand in hand for some reason. And, of course, all your updates on Ukraine next hour. Boy, the, the mega church that doesn't have a sex scandal. Bring that one to me. Um, so this is this is notable for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, this article shocking me uh, appeared in NPR on NPR's website, talking about the giant study of low-income children in Tennessee in pre-K, and and they center this article around this uh, this woman Dale Farron, who's studied early childhood education for half a century. Yet her most recent scientific publication has made her question everything she thought she knew. And that is the the Tennessee study, which was as close to a real-world randomized controlled trial for pre-K as you could have. It was almost 3,000 low-income children in Tennessee who applied. Uh, They were admitted by lottery, etc. We will offer pre-K to every child in California. Everybody cheers. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, whoever. And pre-K will finally come to the United States. And everybody cheers. This has been going on for years, people cheering pre-K without anybody having any idea what it is or what it does. And there is no information out there to lead you to believe it's a good thing. Nope, not really. You know, the theme, we could get to the punchline before the rest of the joke, is that it's long been part of progressivism, Marxism too, um, but just just general progressivism, that the government ought to be more involved in raising your children. Uh, Taxpayers ought to be taxed higher, and those tax dollars should be spent raising your children for you, which is not a concept I'm a big fan of, um, especially because the government does a crappy, crappy job of it. See most people's local uh, public schools. Anyway, uh, this uh, Farron woman and her co-authors at Vanderbilt University followed both groups of children all the way through sixth grade. At the end of the first year, the kids who went to pre-K scored higher on school readiness, as expected. But after third grade, they were doing worse than the the control group. And at the end of sixth grade, they were doing even worse than that. Lower test scores, more likely to be in special ed, more likely to get into disciplinary trouble in school, including serious trouble like suspensions. Um, We've come within a couple of votes here and there of having pre-K all across this country without the American people understanding not only does it not do any good and cost gazillions of dollars, it actually does harm. That's right. Now, I know what you're thinking, some of you, because I was thinking it, too. My kids went to preschool, and they loved it. It was a great experience for them. I'll get to that difference in a minute, and it's significant. But so uh, after third grade, well, uh, negative effects in one of the three state achievement tests, but in sixth grade they saw it in all three, math, science, and reading. 
worse results, clearly worse results. So that's right. A statewide public pre-K program taught by licensed teachers housed in public schools had a measurably, statistically significant negative effect on children in the study. She was shocked by this, but is being honest about it. So, and obviously for progressives, this is a terrible time for this news to come out, which is one of the reasons you haven't heard it much, because we're so close to like instituting this all around the country. They mention a similar thing in Boston that went differently. I'm looking at the clock figuring out how much time we have for this. Um, uh, that had different results. Um, but I'll go ahead and bottom line it for you. One of the biases that I hadn't examined in myself, says this doctor, is the idea that poor children need a different sort of preparation from children of higher income families. She's talking about drilling kids on basic skills, worksheets for tracing letters and numbers, a teacher giving 10-minute lectures to a whole class of 25 kids who are expected to sit on their hands and listen, only five of whom may be paying any attention whatsoever. And she explains higher-income families are not choosing this kind of preparation. Why would we assume that we need to train children of lower-income families earlier in this stuff? That's a pretty decent point right there. She points out that families of means tend to choose play-based preschool programs with art, movement, music, and nature. It's exactly what we did. Yeah, it was church-based, and it was wonderful. Children are asked open-ended questions, and they are listened to. Here's your government pre-K, which is perhaps soon to be the law of the land. Uh, In classrooms full of kids in poverty or kids who just go to the government preschools, teachers talk a lot, but they seldom listen to the children. And she thinks part of the problem is that many teachers in many states are certified for teaching all sorts of kids. Very little time spent on on the youngest kids. And another bias she's challenging is the idea that teacher certification equals quality. There have been three very large studies, the latest one in 2018, which are not showing any relationship between quality and licensure. How do you like that? We came within a Joe Manchin vote and maybe one or two others of this being the law of the land and us paying for it and damaging our children. Came really close to this. Do you remember the big giant $3 trillion build back better thing? But wait, there's more. In 2016, Farron published a study based on her observations of publicly funded Tennessee pre-K classrooms, similar to the ones we were talking about before. She found the largest chunk of the day was spent in transition time. That means simply moving the kids around the building. Wow. Partly it's an architectural problem. Uh, uh, Private preschools, home-based daycare, they tend to be laid out with little kids in mind. Their bathrooms right off the classrooms. Kids eat in or near the classroom. There's outdoor play space right there with equipment for short people. And then you put them in government schools and you have to line them up and make them be silent. And they walk down the hall and they use the bathroom. Then they walk down to the cafeteria and then they walk and don't touch your neighbor. Don't touch the wall. Put a bubble in your mouth because you have to be quiet. I've never heard that expression, Hmm. but I guess that's a little kid thing. Um, And so one of Farron's most intriguing conjectures, this said, is that the need for control could explain the extra discipline problems seen later on in the kids' school careers. Quote, I think children are not learning internal control. And if anything, they're learning sort of an almost allergic reaction to the amount of external control that they're having, that they're having to experience in school. In other words, regularly reprimanding kids for doing normal kid stuff at four years old, even suspending them, backfire down the road as children experience school as a place of unreasonable expectations. I would add in as an activist. That makes my heart hurt. 
And I would add in also, and this is right up through high school, boys pathologized for acting like little boys. Told that there's something wrong if you can't sit still like the little girls are sitting still. Taking a four-year-old and teaching them to hate school and taxpayers funding it at a cost of billions and billions of dollars. Thank God it didn't happen. It's still talked about. They're still talking. Gavin Newsom's been promising it for California forever. Pre-K, getting a head start, a head start on being miserable. How, what what well it's what you said about it. it's it's the weird left's view at the 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 more time the government has your kids and the less time the parents have the kids the better for society well and a lot of this is focused on uh people of color young kids of color having worse educational outcomes not going to college as much etc and so this is designed as a magic bullet to cure that the, the government pre-k thing um and and they point out and i'll summarize now uh what the biggest lesson farron has drawn from research is that we've simply asked too much of pre-k uh whoever thought we could provide a four-year-old from an impoverished family with five and a half hours a day nine months a year of preschool and close the achievement gap and send them to college at a higher rate i mean why why do we put so much pressure on our pre-k programs we might actually get better results she says from simply letting little children play Boris Johnson says it's absurd that the country of Russia has just put in their name to host the next big soccer tournaments in 2028 and 2032. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty absurd. Well, why? We gave the Olympics to the communist Chinese. The most consequential NATO meeting in its history happening today. President Biden is over there. Among other things, we'll talk about in hour three. Armstrong and Getty.